1: Welcome to Kegolaso Lasso Pod. We have Jonathan Johnson and Jimmy Conrad for our weekend preview. It's El Clásico. Barcelona against Real Madrid. We also have Manchester United against Chelsea. Aston Villa. My Aston Villa against Leeds. The Revere Derby. Dortmund against Schalke. Is Ronaldo fit enough to play for Juventus in this weekend? Also, we have all the latest in PSG. Leo Monaco and much, much more. Stay tuned because we're here we go. Everybody, welcome to Ciego Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad. It's our weekend preview, and what a weekend we have! Let's begin straight off of the bat. Let's go with El Clasico. Jimmy, C, give it to us right now from a betting standard.
0: Okay, well, I did my. I took some notes as I do. I'm a student of the game, as they like to say. I'm your wagering analyst. I uh, went on to William Hill, and it's really kind of depends on who you like like if you if you love Barcelona then there's some good value there uh, for me in particular plus 100 for Messi to score not the first goal not the last goal nothing specific anytime plus 100 to Messi that honestly the printing money there for you guys on Sufati's plus 145 anytime I like that bet a lot too for me personally I like the draw I think that has the best value plus 260 and I could see that happening Sergio Ramos comes back into the team they desperately need his leadership so I like those a lot but if you like Barcelona I think it's going to be over two and a half goals in this one. I think it's going to be a goal fest. Both both defenses haven't been great, uh, all things considered. Uh, so if you have Barcelona to win over two and a half goals, that's plus 210. If you like Real Madrid to win in over two and a half goals, that's plus 360. I'm just finding the good stuff for you guys. It's what I do.
1: I love it. I love it. JJ, let's begin with you an analysis, and then I'll hit Jimmy with this one as well. Listen, El Clasico, a, a huge game, the first one of the season. Um, obviously, a mid-October Clasico is not exactly a league-defining match, but, you know, on the hands from a Real Madrid perspective, losing to Cadiz and now the loss to Shakhtar Donetsk, you know, a win is kind of needed right now to the very least to find some motivation for Sudan's guys. On the other side, you've got Koeman and Barcelona, you know, with a good win in the Champions league and you know finding their feet thanks to messi looking good and the young players as well how do you see this game uh, as we look ahead to the weekend
2: yeah you're absolutely right it's uh very finely poised uh, a lot of pressure on zidane's shoulders coming into this one as as you mentioned you know two two bad results uh, and madrid suddenly now looking over their shoulders great opportunity for barcelona especially when you consider that barca have a game in hand over real uh, you know, a good chance for them to catch up and then know that they can, you know, perhaps strike out three points clear. Uh, Jimmy, totally right, uh, mentioning Ramos coming back, badly need his leadership. Uh, you know, I was just struck watching Real. I mean, OK, we, we already talked about uh, Zidane's decisions uh, to leave out some of the the key guys. I think Benzema's presence would have been uh, a big boost against Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, but, you know, you just... There feels a, a, a lack of, uh, you know, a lack of motivation, uh, kind of a, a lack of a, a plan, really, with this, uh, with this Real Madrid side at the moment. Uh, obviously, there'll be no shortage of motivation coming into a Clásico. There never is. Uh, but sometimes that's not enough. And, you, you know, you do wonder if that's organisational uh, now that, uh, that Ramos will bring will, will make a big difference for, for Real because this, you know, this is one game that the Zidane absolutely cannot afford to lose now given the recent results. Jimmy...
1: The stats are so conflicting because Real Madrid are coming into this, uh, as JJ mentioned, you know, kind of needing this win, the motivation, et cetera. Sergio Ramos obviously is is a big add to this, but it can't just fall on him. Um, You know, this team really needs to pick itself up. But Barcelona, you know, they failed to score in the last two Clásicos in La Liga. You, You know, from what you're telling us, maybe this will be a goal fest. And obviously it's a different manager, different strategy. So maybe we'll see those goals. But how do you see both sides? um how do you you know who is it most important to i guess
0: i think at the moment it's real madrid now we can always throw out current form uh, for a big classical right it just doesn't really matter emotion seems to overtake any type of uh, ins- sensibilities i'd say in a lot of decision making especially in sergio ramos's case i probably should have looked up to see how much uh, he would pay if he got carded because we all know that's coming but there's a couple things tactically that both teams need to, f- to focus on one is for Lon mendy He's a left-sided player. Marcelo has not looked good in these last two games. He's a huge liability on that left side. I think Mendy has to go back on the left side. That's where he's most comfortable, and I think that's where the team feels more comfortable when he's in the side. He's a better defender than Marcelo, and that's what they need right now, which means they probably have to bring in Nacho because Audrey out, Carvajal's out, and even though Nacho makes mistakes too, at least there's some familiarity and rapport and some understanding of, well, he probably will make a bad mistake. I'm used to it. I know what's coming with him. With Mendy on the other side, I just think it kind of throws them off. But I do agree with, with J.J. That, that Benzema needs to be in the team. and They need to figure out a way to get around him and, and, and give him support. He can't just hold up the ball and try to do it all by himself, which is what he had to do a lot last season. Then on the flip side with Barcelona, I'm curious to see if Kuman goes back to Griezmann. They started a lot of young players uh, in, in the Champions League. I don't know if you can rely on young players, a lot of them at least, in a, in a game of this magnitude. And so I'm curious to see if he goes out with Pedri again. I think Ansu Fati will start, of course. But I don't know if Trincao will, Pedri's gonna probably come off the bench. Uh, I think Griezmann has to slot back in. You you have to have your world-class players in. Whether he's disgruntled, whether he doesn't like you or not, you gotta find a way to motivate him because you have a lot of talent just sitting there with somebody like Griezmann.
1: And just like Real Madrid, who really need motivation, Equally, Antoine Griezmann probably needs this game to get going. He, he starts, he gets a goal, JJ. Uh, you know, he, it could really motivate him to just keep going and just sort of put all the troubles aside with Koeman and then finally they can get, go- get going. H- how do you see the Griezmann dilemma here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, reading into some of the reports at the moment that Griezmann is in talks uh, over a contract extension, which would see his pay drop a little bit, that suggests, you know, that he is prepared uh, you know, to fight for his future, to, to you know, to, to really give it a go. Uh, and I think, you know, it is this kind of match where somebody like Griezmann, somebody who thrives on the big occasions, someone who now has plenty of experience, both in the big matches in Spain and also at international level, uh, you know, he could really come into his own and, uh, and, and play a key role for, for Barca. So I, I do see a lot of value uh, in Griezmann for, for this Barca. Uh, and, you know, I think Kuman would be silly to, to overlook him. I think he does need to come into this match. You know, you're going up against Real Madrid, one of the, the, the best club sides in the world, uh, you know, with all due respect to Ferenc Frados. It was, a, it was a good fixture to be coming into such a big match on, uh, you know, because Barca were able to drum up a big scoreline, which you would have expected on paper ahead of the game. Uh, you know, I think they'll be uh, slightly concerned by their performance last time out against Getafe, Uh, you know, but form kind of goes out of the window coming into, you know, these, uh, these big matches. And that's not just collectively, uh, that's individually as well. So I think this is the perfect moment for, for someone like Griezmann to kickstart uh, his season and, uh, you know, really be the star man for Barca.
1: There are two things I think that we haven't talked on yet. And, I, Jimmy, I want to go on the first one. Uh, I'll give you both of them, but I'll give you the first one. The first one is, you know, we're talking about Benzema, we're talking about Lionel Messi, Griezmann, of course, but let's focus as well on both teams and their youth. From Barcelona's perspective, Ansu Fati, of course, um, you know, Frankie de Jong, who I I think is finally getting into the rhythm of playing with this team. And then on the other side, you know, players like Vinicius Jr., Rodrigo, they're going to be key as well. And here's the other thing. Valverde, Federico Valverde, Uruguayan center midfielder for Real Madrid. He still has that jet lag from the comparable World Cup qualifiers. But if he can finally pick himself up a little bit, he can also be a good addition. Youth, surely, the future of El Clasico is also, you know, in full picture right here. Don't you think?
0: A hundred percent. I think you have to have some of them, man. I just don't know from a Barcelona perspective if you want to trust three of your 17-year-olds to start this game with Pedri and Ansu Fati and Trincao. They're all super talented and I think we'll be talking about them for years to come. But in this game, to to JJ's point, it's a big opportunity for the players that have the experience that have been around, that know what it means to play against Real Madrid. Now, whether Griezmann was having that success with Atleti or Real Sociedad instead of Barcelona, he still has that experience uh, playing against Los Blancos. So that's a big deal. And then Coutinho, we didn't mention him yet. He's really starting to come into his own. You talk about De Jong feeling settled. I think Coutinho is starting to find his place within the team I think he's connecting better with Messi which is all important right because he's the alpha male of the whole team you got to make sure he's happy and feeding the bears I like to say keep the bear happy uh, the team's going to be cooking with gas going forward so yeah I, I think the, the younger players are incredibly important Ansu Fati looks like he's been playing for 10 years uh, at the highest of levels he's so cool and calm and he's so good in the box then you got Ushman Dembele who will probably come off the bench and make a big difference as well as he did against Ferenc Faros. He's got uh, so many game-changing abilities, not only his pace, but his ability to make good runs, his timing of his runs and his willingness to get the ball. He's two-sided. I really like his game a lot. Then on the flip side with Real Madrid, I was there at the Bernabeu for the last El Clasico in person in March. Uh, Rodrigo got a big, big goal that was big for his confidence. And I think that could maybe spur him on to, to have another role in this one. I didn't think he looked that great against Shakhtar Donetsk. I think he got subbed out pretty early, at maybe at halftime, if I'm not mistaken. And that can't help him. But the 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 past of, of doing it against Barcelona in a big game will probably make a difference. And, and I love Fedia Valverde too. He covers so much ground. He's good at transition. It's going to be interesting to see both managers and what they choose based on form and also just, just how do you beat your biggest rival.
1: Guys, we're a few minutes in here. And we haven't talked about Zorinio Dest. What's going on? This is his first classical. This is a huge moment. Surely he's starting. I mean, he's a Kuman favorite, right? I mean, let's begin with a non-American. JJ, how do you, you know, Dest has to start here. It's a huge moment for him, surely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you'd like to, to think that he would. You know, Kuman, uh, like you said, is a big believer in his ability. Uh, you know, and it's a great opportunity as well. Uh, you, know, you know, there, there is no lack of motivation for, for anyone coming into this match, uh, given the, the size of the fixture, the history, uh, you know, but also, you know, when you know it is your first, you're really eager to make an impression, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a perfect opportunity, you know, and, and more to the point, you know, Jimmy has already been talking about Real Madrid's problems down that left-hand side. If you can put somebody attack-minded in there like Dest, uh, you know, I think that, that Barcelona could really get some joy uh, on that flank against uh, this this Real side. So for me, I, I, for, it's a no-brainer. Uh, Dest should
0: be starting for Barcelona this weekend.
1: Jimmy, any words on your compatriot? I mean, it's a big,
2: big day.
0: It is. I'm glad he's got two games under his belt. I'm glad that uh, they suffered a loss, frankly, against Hatafe. I think that, you know, adds some character, puts some hair on his chest, as I like to say. And then they went out and he performed again a couple of days later and starting to understand the flow and where to move and, and how to move in this Barcelona system and with these players. So I think coming into this one, yes, I'm sure the nerves will get to him a little bit, but if you can just play simple to start the game off, not let the moment overwhelm him, I think without fans, it's probably a little bit easier, right? It feels like a glorified friendly in a lot of different ways, but just keep things simple to start feed the bear. As I said before, give it to the players that are good under with the ball under pressure. And then when he's got space in front of him, he's got to, go for it and attack. They're looking for a Danny Alves, right? They brought Destin because I think he has some, some pieces of his game that look very similar to Danny Alves, and they just need to make sure that he continues to build towards that model in some ways because Danny Alves was so pivotal for them for so many years.
1: Well, Real Madrid has only won one of the first Clásicos of the season in the last 12 campaigns. And actually, the only one that they won at Camp Nou was back in 2007. So, you know, we'll see where the pendulum goes. But you got Sedan, a Real Madrid legend, Kuman, a Barcelona legend, two teams that have a lot of experience and a lot of youth. This first Clásico of the season should be a great one. I can't wait to watch (music) All right, from Spain to Blighty, let's talk about the Premier League. Let's go with Manchester United and Chelsea first, Jimmy. Uh, A big game. Uh, We talked about former legends of clubs. Here we go again. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with Manchester United, Frank Lampard with Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea got a 0-0 result with Sevilla midweek, and Manchester United with that beautiful win for them against PSG. Tell us about the betting tips, uh, anything that we can take from this game.
0: Well, first and foremost, Anthony Martial being out, I think, limits the, the, how dynamic uh, Manchester United's attack can be. That's going to be a big loss. He's still serving that suspension from that questionable red card, in my opinion. But I guess this really depends where you're leaning. You know, I'm just here to help you consider some different options. I'm always looking for some good value for you guys. There's a lot of good value just in the game straight up. So if you like Manchester United to win, plus 145. The draw is plus 255, and Chelsea's plus 145. I think those are all good value depending on where you want to go. I really love Rashford to score anytime at plus 175. The guy is on fire. He's doing it both on and off the field. He's lighting people up in the government, and he's lighting people up on the field. So I I like where his confidence is right now. You can see he's very self-assured in a lot of different ways, and I think that is playing out on the field. Uh, Timo Werner to score anytime, plus 150. And then Bruno Fernandes anytime plus 160. We know that Manchester United's probably going to get a penalty because that's just what happens here. 2020 in particular, Bruno Fernandes takes all those. uh, And if he misses, they're going to call it back and give him another chance. You know, it's just all really shaping into Bruno Fernandes into his ability to score. And and, uh, plus 160, I think, is good value for that.
1: So, JJ, this also could be Edinson Cavani's debut, right? He's been training with United this week. He obviously didn't feature... Uh, during uh, midweek in the Champions League. But this could be, we could see a feature of him. How do you see this game, especially Cavani comes in, Martial obviously out. Um, What do you like here?
2: Yeah, obviously it's a big chance for Cavani and I'm sure he'll be keen to impress. Uh, You know, he's a guy who's not been playing since uh, March. So, you know, you can expect some rustiness. I don't know if Solskjaer will go with him from the start considering it's such a big game. Uh, But, you know, this is uh, the perfect opportunity to at least include him in the squad. Uh, you know, get him involved, and you know perhaps give him some minutes towards the end of the game. you know perhaps we'll see him for a bit longer than that, uh considering that martial is out, but you know, I, I think the way that United played uh, away at PSG, uh, obviously it was without Cavani, so there was one less storyline on the night. Uh, but Solskjaer will be very encouraged by the way uh, his team performed. You know, not only the fact that they, you know, managed to, to score twice uh, and, and beat PSG, but the way the defence played as well. I was very impressed by uh, Axel Twanzebe, obviously a better favourite of ours. Uh, but he's, you know... Solskjaer, I think, now really has a bit of momentum uh, with this United side after the win over Newcastle, uh, after the win over PSG. And, you know, I think this could really breathe new life into their season. You know, they can put that thrashing at the hands of Spurs uh, behind them. Uh, You know, and if things are going the right way, uh, you know, I don't see why Cavani couldn't sort of feature for the best part of half an hour, bring his fitness levels up and, uh, you know, hopefully feature more regularly from here on in.
1: Super quick, Jimmy, on this one. What do you want from Chelsea
0: here? I want to see them be able to do it on both sides of the ball because we saw in the Southampton game, they can score a bunch and then they give up a ton of goals as well and just make dumb mistakes. So if they can show up those mistakes and they tried to do that against Sevilla, but then they didn't really have any, any energy going forward. Didn't really create anything uh, impactful or consistently impactful uh, during that match either. So it's like, Well, which version of Chelsea are you going to be? What I do like about Manchester United is that they're playing a team that's very similar to PSG. Got these incredible attacking options. However, I think Timo Werner is the difference maker here. Uh, PSG did not have somebody like him up top. I think that's going to occupy the center backs for United in a much different way. So how can they create those spaces? How can they get Werner in behind to help stretch the midfield a little bit? And that'll give some space for those guys in Chelsea's midfield to to do the business. But hopefully Tiago Silva's healthy. I know that Frank Lampard is managing his minutes, but they need him in this one. And with Mendy in goal and Kepa not in goal, I think that gives the team a boost too mentally, uh, even though Kepa isn't always to blame, but he seems like he's the, he's the guy that always seems to take all the heat and responsibility anytime they lose, even when he doesn't play, you know, it's like, ah, it's Kepa's fault, you know? So I, I think Chelsea just needs to probably score first. I think that's going to be a good indicator as to who's going to go on to win the game or at least get a result. And I think away from home, but I like Manchester United right now. What I'll say is, and this goes for everybody, even Chelsea, all these managers seem to tinker so much. I see it with Manchester City. They're always changing their center backs. They're always changing who sits in front of the center backs. And as somebody that used to play center back, when you have a new partner every single game, it's hard to know how they're going to move in certain situations. But if you're with that same person, game in and game out, everything gets elevated because you start to build that really important uh, rapport. And when you have to make quick decisions, you have to know what the guy next to you is going to do without having to talk to him or ask. You just know, because you've done so many reps with him. And I just want Manchester United to stick with that. I know Harry Maguire could be healthy. I don't think he will be, but because he's the captain, I can see Ole Gunnar going like, well, we got to put him back in. But I thought Lindelof and Axel were excellent uh, against PSG. So give them another run out, let them continue to build that. And I think that's just an example of what a lot of teams need to do, but they're all coaches are always overthinking and over tinkering. Anyway, I just went off on a tangent. Thank you for my time. And I appreciate it.
1: No, listen, we're going to let you keep going because we know that your time is valuable. JJ and I will carry on with analysis, but give us some quick betting tips in the Premier League, because we want to talk also about the Revere Derby coming up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the other ones that I know you guys are excited about, Aston Villa versus Leeds, and I really think this is going to be a good tactical battle. Uh, Just the straight-up odds, uh, Aston Villa to win is plus 125. The draw is 255, and Leeds is 210, plus 210 to win that one. I like that. I I want to see Marcelo Bielsa versus this fortress that Aston Villa has created defensively. I I want to see one of the highest-scoring teams or where they can score in bunches against a team that has been so good and so uh, tough to to break down. So that should be a good one to watch. West Ham, Man City, shouldn't be too bad. West Ham getting a lot of confidence coming back from Spurs, uh, plus 6.25 for West Ham to win. Why not? Why not put $10 on that and see what's happening? But those are the ones that I'm really keeping my eye on. Wolves, Newcastle is pretty good. I'm a Newcastle supporter. Arsenal, Leicester is a good one as well. I kind of want to wait to see how Arsenal does in the in the Europa League before I give any odds on that. But yes, yeah, some, some great games and, and uh, the one in the Bundesliga for sure. Uh, the Revier Derby is gonna going be a barn burner because Schalke sucks. I'm just gonna say it there. I could be it could be seven zero. You're like, all right, Schalke sucks, you know. So uh, I'm curious to see how Dortmund responds from uh their, their beating where they were really timid against Lazio in the Champions League, and I think they're gonna be firing in all cylinders. I think Erling Holland's gonna have a big day.
1: So you think that in terms of the Revier Derby, obviously it's such a contentious Derby, uh, you know, from a geographical location perspective mm-hmm. in the Bundesliga, it's so big. But you see Dortmund here being the favorite.
0: Oh, uh, it's not even a question. Yes, I yeah. would go with the over three and a half goals. Uh, you know, it's plus 105. Holland to be the first home goal scorer. So the first player on his team to score is plus 145. And I kind of like Dortmund to really just want to step on their throats right away and set the tone. So if you want to bet on them scoring in the first 15 minutes as plus 185, I will say this about Schalke they're winless in their last 20 games. And then in their last three games away from home, they've conceded four goals each game. I mean that they're, they're bad. They are really bad. They've it's already just going fired, one their way. They, they fired their manager. It's just, things are falling apart over in Schalke. I'm sure you could write a book on, on how such a great club has fallen off uh, as, as steep and as fast as they have. But uh Yeah, a lot of great games as always. And and I'm excited for the ones we've talked about so far and the other ones that you guys are going to talk about after I leave.
1: Throw your money, put your house on Borussia Dortmund. Maybe Giorena will get a couple of assists uh, as redemption for not starting midweek. Jimmy Conrad with the betting and the analysis. Always good to have you, brother. And we will see you much later when we obviously recap Europa League. Jimmy, thank you so much, brother.
0: Uh, I can't wait. I love to see your beautiful faces every single day.
1: Well, now that Jimmy's gone, two Villa fans can just gloriously talk about the greatest football club in the history of the game. Uh, No, okay, we don't want to drop any listeners. JJ and I, we're coming back to Villa Leeds because if Villa wins, uh, JJ, they they go top of the table. It's against a very popular, very well-liked Leeds United fan for the neutral, Marcelo Bielsa, of course, but with defensive vulnerabilities, they do like to score a lot of goals against uh, the best defensive team in the league right now. It's Dean Smith against uh, Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds. A couple of notes here. Leeds are actually out without captain and center back Liam Cooper, as well as Calvin Phillips. So two very big absentees here in this game. Uh, from Villa's perspective, aside from the long terms, like Wesley and Tom Heaton, Courtney House is out. Uh, so Dean Smith has his full package to look forward to. As Jimmy said, this is, you know, aside from the creativity, Villa has been great defensively, but now they're going up against a team that loves to come at you. I, if you don't know this, anybody, by the way, this is also a, a big rivalry, you know, uh, you know, in terms of just historically Leeds United fans hate Villa. uh, And, you know, I'm sure the feeling's not mutual. Uh, The feeling is mutual, I'm sure. But it's a big game. Uh, It's the opener to the weekend of the Premier League. How do you see it, JJ? Let's put our neutral hats right now and just try and analyze this one. How do you see it?
2: Yeah, obviously, it's very exciting, and uh, we, we spoke spoken about some of the the you know the the interesting statistics already. Villa's excellent defensive record against the lead side that you know attack relentlessly. You know they pressure relentlessly, and I, th- I think that's what I'm looking forward to seeing Villa up against. Most uh, you know it, it's going to be uh, you know, they're absolutely going to have to be focused for the full ninety minutes. Uh, there's obviously a lot of needle as well from the players who uh, were in the championship. Uh, you know when Villa were on their way up. Uh, and the, the incidents that happened in the, the final meeting between these two sides at Ellen Road. Uh, you know, and the fact that Phillips, after Villa, tried to buy him is, uh, is, is missing out on this. That's, sadly, that's one storyline we'll, we'll be lacking this time. But, you know, Bielsa has, has worked wonders with this Leeds side, uh, and they're not going to be easy opponents for, for any side coming up against them. Villa coming into the game, you know, on the crest of a, of a wave of, of confidence right now, uh, you know, to go away at Leicester, uh, for the first time in years, come away with the victory. Uh, you know the, the the jubilation that comes with scoring a, a late winner. Uh, you know, everything is going in Villa's favour right now. And, you know, that's also why this is going to be such an interesting match, I think, because Villa aren't going to have it all their own way against a Bielsa side. So there are going to be times where, where, where things look a bit difficult. I mean, say Leeds score the first goal. That's going to be a really interesting test to see how Villa, uh, you know, actually react to that. It's something, you know, falling behind is something that's not, uh, you know, happened to them uh, too often. Uh, in recent times uh, you know they've improved massively uh, on the the defense from last season so you know aside from the fact that obviously I'm very excited watching Villa right now uh, you know the 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 transformation that this team uh, is going through is is phenomenal Uh, you know and you look at some of the performances some of the guys uh, like Grealish uh, like Barkley uh, like Watkins are putting in at the moment and it's it's very exciting for uh, you know for any anybody who loves English football
1: Yeah, this is a very exciting time for both teams, to be honest. Uh, You know, as they come back and they play again in the Premier League, they haven't done that since 2004. You you, You bring up a really good point, which is when you're on a roll, when you're winning, you haven't lost yet. You've conceded only two goals so far. Something has to give because... Dean Smith knows very well. We all know it. Anybody knows it. There's going to be a loss at some point. There's going to be a bad performance at some point. So the question mark is what happens then? How do you react to it? And Leeds is more than capable of being that team to kind of like mess up the party. The other side of this is what happens to me when I'm watching Villa against Leeds from a midfield perspective, because things are going well from Ross Barkley, John McGinn, but this is a contentious Leeds United that likes to win the ball very quickly and likes to attack you. And they've kind of faced that already against Liverpool. It was just a freakish situation that almost everything went Villa's way. But now Bielsa, I'm imagining, watch that tape, because Klopp and Bielsa played similar things, especially in the final third, and Villa has to pay attention to that. Having said all that, I feel that this is going to be a (laughs) nil-nil where, you know, there's going to be resounding defensive structure from both sides because Bielsa still, even though he's so attack friendly, he still cares deeply about making sure that the lines are correctly placed at the back and there's a good possession and stuff. So you could see a stalemate here. I mean, you know, don't, don't put your money on it, but I think that that's kind of what you're seeing two teams that just want to balance the ship even more. Um, do you think that's going to happen or do you see a goal fest? Uh,
2: I don't necessarily think I see a goal fest, especially with the way that Villa's defense has tightened up. Uh, but I do, I do agree with you that I think the, the midfield battle will be key. I'm, I'm wondering if uh, Villa will try and add a bit more metal to the midfield. I mean, we know that John McGinn, uh, you know, likes to fly around 100 miles an hour, uh, you know, crunching into every challenge. But I, I wonder if uh, Smith will also perhaps opt for somebody else who can bring a bit of muscle uh, to the to the middle of the park will you know we'll have to wait and see what what lineup he goes with at the end of the day uh, but it's a uh, there is the possibility that both of these sides cancel each other out uh, there is also a possibility that you know both sides get on the board uh, you know but ultimately one can't outscore the other uh, I I don't disagree with your, your prediction of the draw however I can't really see this one being goalless I can see this being maybe a maybe a 1-1 Obviously, I think uh, all the neutrals would love a 2-2 or anything higher than that. But for me, I think one goal apiece sounds about right from from what I'm expecting from this match.
1: Well, we will see what happens. And, you know, Villa are looking to win each of their opening five league games uh, in a season for the first time in the club's history. It's it's, it's quite amazing to think that when... uh, Dean Smith came in, uh, we were 15th in the championship. So it's, it's, it's kind of amazing, but take nothing away as well from Leeds United and Marcelo Biasa. Hopefully whatever the result, whatever the score, this will be an entertaining game. And that I believe should wrap it up in the premier league. And let's move on to anything else outside of Europe. All right, JJ, uh, Juventus, they, they came with a good win. Um, against Dynamo Kiev uh, without Cristiano Ronaldo, without Weston McKinney. Um, But they did lose the game before that. Uh, No, sorry, they tied the game uh, in Serie A. So they're still looking to really come back again and get another win, this time a victory in Serie A. What's the latest on Ronaldo, do we think? Is he going to play? How do you see Juventus as they return to Serie A action?
2: Yeah, it's it's all very interesting. I mean, Morata has come up big in the last couple of games. wasn't enough against Crotone, uh, but obviously secured that big win uh, against Dynamo Kiev and ensured a, a smooth start. We were talking before that match about how Juventus looked a bit shaky without Ronaldo and how they, you know, they might get upset there. Uh, you know, they weathered that storm and uh, they they come into this one now. I, I think that after the the, the Dynamo Kiev result whether or not ronaldo features uh, won't, won't matter as much because i think they'll feel more settled now uh, you know they've, they've they've gotten over that disappointment of the the crotonio result uh, you know who knows whether uh, ronaldo's new haircut means that he's ready to ready to return uh, but obviously you know a player of ronaldo's uh, caliber will will bring a big big boost to the to this Juve side but you know if he wasn't ready to, to return. I, I don't think it would be the, the, the worst thing in the world uh, for Juve, considering that Murata, who, you know, is very much a, a confidence player, uh, you know, is coming into this one off the back of three goals in his last two matches.
1: Yeah, I mean, and look, take nothing from Verona right now in seventh place, two wins, a draw, a tie. Uh, you know, if they win this one, they go all the way to 10. But if they win, it's going to have to be a historic win because I don't think, uh, no, I know that Juventus has never lost to Verona. Uh, And to your point, I think Ronaldo or not, this squad is now feeling more comfortable uh, and more used to playing without their main star. And even though early in this season, I think that there's a balance to the squad, uh, I think Chiesa was a really good addition. And Morata, I think scoring is going to add a lot of confidence to his game. So you probably should see uh, business back to usual for Juventus. Um, Let's talk about uh, on for a second. Uh, let's end it with Ligue 1. Uh, You know, PSG, big loss against Manchester United. Uh, they got Dijon this weekend. Uh, what, what's the latest on them? And then any other news? Because there's also another big game uh, in Liga this weekend.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, all eyes on PSG come Saturday night. Uh, Thomas Tuchel under a lot of pressure at the moment. That's PSG's third defeat of the season already. It's the first time they've lost at home in the Champions League group stage since the early 2000s, uh, an unexpected loss against CSK Moscow. So, you know, it's a big deal. Uh, the, the, the club hierarchy are, are not impressed. Uh, you know, they, they were obviously disappointed by the public spat between Tuchel and, uh, and Leonardo a couple of weeks ago. Whether Tuchel is is fully satisfied with the players that Leonardo has added to his roster, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But this kind of game coming up against a Dijon side, bottom of the table, you know, completely adrift already, uh, struggling to even score a goal, let alone uh, winning many points. Uh, it, you know, it's it's the ideal team to come up against when you want to rebuild a bit of confidence bounce back immediately uh, you know so i'd expect a strong reaction from psg and it's also a good opportunity for for tuchel to get a closer look at some of his new signings uh, you know and see how they how they bed in and what they can offer moving forward. Pereira actually looked quite solid against Manchester United despite the result. Uh, made a few very good interceptions. Florenzi, you know, we've seen a fair bit on now with PSG and he looks a very smart addition. Uh, Moise Keane we'll need to see a bit more of before he can be judged. Uh, but it's you know it's it's an intriguing uh Set up the this this PSG squad. They have the potential to have enough depth for for Tuchel uh, to have this team competing on multiple fronts. But there just seems to be a, a you know a disconnect somewhere at the moment, lacking in the in the chemistry. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the performance against United was so flat. So you know with this pressure on Tuchel, uh, you know there there is the possibility if there's you know a shock result, uh, you know that. Tuchel's position becomes close to, to being untenable. Elsewhere in Ligue 1 this weekend, uh, I think the the most uh, intriguing matchup is going to be that of uh, of Lyon against Monaco. Both of them in unfamiliar territory, and mid-table. Uh, you know they've not exactly started the the season at pace. Uh, Monaco still finding their feet under Kovac. Uh, Lyon sort of still have that post uh, Champions League run hangover, starting to pick up a bit of form. Uh, what I would say. Uh, Recently, is that that Lyon have started to look a bit more solid, whereas Monaco are, are still, you know, trying to trying to gel under Kovac, uh, adapting to new ideas, uh, you know, trying to work out their best shape. So for me, I think that Lyon definitely have the the continuity factor, and they generally tend to fare better in the the bigger matches. So coming up against somebody like uh, Monaco, you know, a prestigious match as far as Lyon goes, uh, for me, it's it's definitely the one to, to keep an eye on this weekend.
1: And Leon are unbeaten uh, in their last seven home games in Liga as well. So, might go their way as well, you know, uh, crowds or not. Jonathan Johnson, always a pleasure to have you, my friend. And we'll see you guys, you know, we'll see you very, very soon. I, I appreciate all your input.
2: Uh, thanks for having me on. Pleasure as always
1: to Jonathan Johnson and Jimmy Conrad for the betting and the input and the analysis. Make sure that you follow us on Kegolaso Pod on Twitter. Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you download and listen to your pods. And let's see you next time. Enjoy the weekend of so much action.